If you're a fan of the 430 movie, you'll love Best Movies Never Made, hosted by myself, Josh Miller. And Steven Scarlatta. Where we explore some of the greatest movies never made, like E.T. 2. Johnny Quest. Beetlejuice Goes Hawaiian. And Halloween 3D. New episodes available every other Monday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello. I am not Spock. But if I were, I would tell you to listen to the Inglorious Trexperts, in which our Trexperts talk Trek every Saturday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Oh, and live long and whatever. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman, and if you're a Star Trek fan and you haven't already picked up the hardcover edition of the 50-Year Mission, it's time for you to go out and get the paperback version of the 50-Year Mission, which is just out in paperback from St. Martin's Press. This is the complete oral history of Star Trek, the first 25 years, from me and Ed Gross. And if you think you know everything there is to know about Star Trek, think again. The 50-Year Mission out in paperback now, and if you can't read, the audiobook is still available. Hey, are you Darren Docterman from the 430 movie? Why, why, yes, I am. Well, I recognize you because I have the Electric Now app, and I get to see all these great Electric Surge podcasts on video for the first time ever. I'm delighted. I'm delighted that uh, you came up to me and said hello. Well, I got to tell you, how can I watch all these incredible podcasts like Inglorious Trexperts, The Best Movies Never Made, and uh, other things. Well, you can find us on uh, Distro and on uh, uh, the Electric Now app. And Stir. And Stir, see, I, stir I, I knew you knew it. I did know, because I'm not really a stranger <laughs> on the street. I'm Mark A. Altman, your co-host. <laughs> well, maybe I should have been watching these podcasts all along. I would have recognized you. Join us on Electric Now, currently streaming on Distro TV and Stir, and coming soon to the Electric Now app. Back in the 70s and 80s, before the advent of VHS, chances are if you saw a classic movie, it was on the 430 movie. With their famous theme weeks, it was a chance to see movies you'd never seen before and get reacquainted with some old classics. So now, join us for the 430 movie. Welcome to a week that. <laughs> hey, I'm about to do a dramatic introduction. Oh, yes, guys. yes. Very good. Welcome Welcome. to a week that is dark as night on the rainy streets of Los Angeles. Here in our shadowy studio, we prepare to curate a fantasy theme week of the best, and maybe not some of the best, noir (laughs) movies of all time. It's noir week on the 430 movie. Burglaries, 18 robberies, 7 assaults, 5 morals offenses in the past 30 days. 
Quite a record, even for the 4th Precinct, Lieutenant Dietrich. As things are, the only merchants safe from harm in your precinct are those who take wages on the horses. I want to know why those parlors are still operating. I close them down, but they only open up again. You don't close them hard enough. Rip out the phones. Smash up the furniture. People like to bet the horses, sir, and just because the law says no. I don't want your opinion of the law. What's the big idea standing there staring at me, Uncle Lon? Don't call me Uncle Lon. I thought you liked it. Maybe I did. I don't anymore. What are you sweating for? Money makes me sweat, that's all. It's the way I am. Dix. Yeah? I'm, I'm scared. All those cops out there. They don't worry me one little bit. I'll drive slow, head right down the main boulevard, and in 10 hours, I'll be home. Dix, honey, how are you going to drive all that way? I'll make it. No, not in the shape you're in, not in a million years. I'll make it. Dix, let me go with you. Please, Dix, please. Are you crazy? I'm on the lamb. I'm wanted bad, packing heat. If there's any trouble, what good would you be? I could drive. No, doll. I'm wanted on a killing rap. You know what that means. I don't care. I just want to be with you. All units, strong arm slugging. Three, two, one, six, river We send police assistance to every one of those calls. Because they're not just code numbers on a radio beam. They're cries for help. People are being cheated, robbed, murdered, raped. And that goes on 24 hours a day, every day in the year. And that's not exceptional. That's usual. It's the same in every city of the modern world. But suppose we had no police force, good or bad. Suppose we had... Just silence. Nobody to listen, nobody to answer. The battle's finished. The jungle wins. The predatory beasts take over. Think about it. Some of you um, may pronounce um, it um. nor. There we were in West L.A., <laughs> looking Sun. at a stack of VHSs, two men high. <laughs> It was an ugly day, a dreary day, a day filled with junk. Okay, anyway, welcome what? to Noir Week. I'm here with Steve Melching. Hello. <laughs> Mr. Darren Docterman. Hi there. And Private Dick Ashley Miller. Yes. <laughs> and I'm wearing my fedora just for the occasion <laughs> so we can talk about the great genre of film noir. Steve, what is film noir? Film noir. No, I, I, I mean, it comes from the, you know, the French term for dark film or black film. Uh, uh, I, uh, it typically refers to, to movies that are about the seedier side of life and crime stories and, and mysteries. Um, the hallmarks of it being uh, a lot of those, the, the early films were shot in black and white with a lot of deep shadow and, and mystery. And uh, uh, you never knew which characters could be trustworthy. Um, they were often involved a, a femme fatale, a female character who was driving the story and, and, and had her own agenda and, and often led the, the, the male leads to their doom. Thus the fatale part. Yes. It was kind of the hangover from 
the jazz age in a sense uh, and then war came and of course uh, these really were pretty much, much all post post World War II post World War II movies late 40s uh, into the 50s is the considered the heyday of the the film noir and America had been sort of an isolationist you know after World War One and 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 suddenly got drawn into another war in, in Europe and I think it was kind of a wake up call of how how truly screwed up the world was and how dark uh you know the the, the flip side of 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 of, of life and and what noir so successfully um in, in looked at and Sean, Sean is, is is sort of the twisted and dark side of 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 uh, of people and the the places that the things they do the places they go i got that boy coming over here today if i can trust my eyes and i think i can susie knows all about your dirty work can't hurt and hurt, I had to get that boy's job back. Look, JJ, we can tie this off in a one-neat bundle, address it to the dumps, to oblivion. We're doing great, but please do it my way. I've cased this kid. I know his ins and outs. He's full of juice and vinegar, just waiting for a big shot like you to put on the squeeze. You got the boy's job back, okay, but he's not gonna accept your favor. The manager, yeah, but not that boy. What has this boy got that Susie likes? Integrity. Acute. Like indigestion. What does this mean? Integrity. A pocket full of firecrackers. Waiting. For a match. You know, it's a new wrinkle. To tell you the truth, I never thought I'd make a killing on some guy's integrity. I'd hate to take a bite out of you. You're a cookie full of arsenic. Just um, you know, uh, and it's 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 such a fascinating. It's one of my favorite genres of all time. I mean, I one of my favorite genres, and and it's a very exciting uh, week um, to investigate. You know, Darren, I have to ask you though, because there's the traditional noir, which is the post-war films mm-hmm. that a lot of people say ended with Touch of Evil, mm-hmm. uh, and then there's the neo-noir age, which is you know sort of starts in the '70s with stuff like Robert Altman's uh, uh, Long Goodbye, and well, let's um, not let's not mention any names okay, yeah, okay, of things because okay, okay. we might spoil. And going into the '80s, right? Uh, and you know, even the, the '90s. Um, do you feel that uh, we should stick with traditional noir, or is everything on the table? Is, is, I think everything's on the table. Everything's on the table, table. babe. <laughs> so, so we're going to deal with both film noir and neo noir. I, I would think so. I mean, noir to me uh, is more about the subject matter than the trappings. Um, I think that certainly the the way the films were uh, made in you know the fifties and the sixties uh, gave them that look, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's the only sort of explanation of what noir is or should be. Well, and the traditional thing that we associate with film noir, of course, you know, a lot of it had to do with the fact that during the war um the studios uh had less money mm-hmm. uh, a lot of their ma- uh, technicians were had enlisted or right. were drafted so you know the the things we associate with not noir the conventions like shadowy right. you know, had to do with the fact that <laughs> they had they less lights they didn't have enough yeah. money and and uh and 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 a lot of that style that house style yeah. you know particularly with warner brothers where it was an outgrowth of the, the gangster films you know right. came 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 from that right but well, color uh, color film was more expensive uh, you know, at the time it was still relatively new 
in the 40s. Absolutely. No, absolutely. And that's, you know, towards the end of the golden age of noir, you, you have a lot of these. Uh, it's the same thing that happens now when you have very little money. A dentist is giving you money. You make a horror film because that's all mm-hmm. the money you have to do. And a lot of these studios were making noir films because they were generally cheaper to do. You, you, there weren't a lot of, you know, there weren't a lot of st- the studios that were doing big, expensive noir movies. With, you had a couple of them, and we'll talk about them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you more likely had some of these small independent studios that were um, doing you know, noir films. They were easy to shoot in a couple of locations uh, or a couple of sets and maybe some limited locations or or backlot sets. They were typically made relatively quickly. They generally didn't have a a long running time, usually about 80 to 100 minutes long. And more than any element, we, 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 I guess we established the femme fatale, we established the shadows, but it's moodiness. It's, mm-hmm. it, there's something moodiness about uh, a film. An atmosphere. atmosphere. There's an atmosphere. Mm. Yeah, both in the visuals <laughs> and in the tonality of the characters and right. their obsessions and the way they, they deal with each other. So I think, um, why don't we start with Steve for Monday as we uh, look at our first noir week. Monday. It was overcast in the city of Los Angeles. No. Uh, I'm, I, my pick for Noir Week is actually one of those neo-noirs that we mentioned. And it's a film that um, I loved instantly the first time I saw it uh, in the theaters. And uh, it's one that's not readily available right now, although it is readily streamable. But it's Can out I of guess? print on disc. Can and I guess? It never came out on Blu-ray, yes. After Dark, My Sweet? No. The Grifters? No. Ah, damn. Okay. <laughs> Go on. It's a movie from 1992, directed by Carl Franklin, oh, yeah. and written by Billy Bob Thornton and Tom Epperson, called One False Move. Hmm. It's a terrific little nasty little uh, noir uh, starring Billy Bob Thornton and uh, the great, late great Bill Paxton uh, as a, a small town sheriff. And... Um, it's a, a really terrific movie about a um, kind of a drug deal gone bad in Los Angeles, and the uh, the villains go on the run, uh, heading east towards uh, Arkansas, and uh, the police officers that are tracking them from L.A. and how they team up with a the small town sheriff played by uh, Billy Bob Thornton who uh, ends up uh, being revealed having a, a surprising connection to one of the uh, one of the villains, the the femme fatale uh, played by Cinda Williams. Um, and it's a, it's a great film of contrast where you've got the the city cops and their attitudes coming from the big city of Los Angeles and Bill Paxton's sort of good old boy, you know, sheriff in Star City, the fictional Star City, Arkansas. Uh, and then you have uh, the villains, uh, you have the uh, Billy Bob Thornton uh, playing um, this really kind of hothead, greedy, kind of dumb guy, and uh, uh, an African American actor, Michael Beach, playing this cold, intelligent, uh, calculating uh, character. And and it's uh, a lot of the drama comes from the the conflicts between them uh, and their their attitudes and and what they want to do. Uh, as they're uh, fleeing, fleeing the law, um, and uh, and uh, trying to sell the drugs that they've stolen um, in Los Angeles, and uh, it's uh, I, I, it was Gene Siskel's favorite movie of that year, yeah, and one of mine too. Of it. Yeah, and it has a, a terrific ambiguous ending, like a lot of noirs, um, and. Uh, 
I'll I'll just read a little quote uh, from Roger Ebert, who also loved the film. He said, uh, on the very short list of great movies about violent criminals, one false move deserves a place of honor besides such different kinds of films as In Cold Blood, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, Badlands, and The Executioner's Song, and At Close Range. It begins as a crime story and ends as a human story in which everything that happens depends on the personalities of the characters. And that sums it up perfectly because it's it's a very plot-driven movie in the beginning, but it becomes so personal to this small group of characters by the end and their interrelationships that it's it's just a riveting little movie that I really wish uh, you know people could would see more of. Well, hopefully, after they hear you're extolling its <laughs> virtues today, uh, I watched on Amazon Prime. You can rent it on Amazon Prime mm-hmm. in HD, and and I believe uh, a couple of the other streaming services also offered it for for paid sale or rental, mm-hmm. but it's not on disc currently. Darren, Darren Document Tuesday. Yes. Um, I've been uh, going back and forth between a few titles, but I think I'm going to settle on another neo-noir film from about 10 years earlier, from 1981. And this is Lawrence Kasdan's yes. Body Heat. Yes. Mm. Um, it is a, you know, we were talking about throwbacks before. Uh, this is definitely a throwback. This has... Uh, sort of all the tropes of uh, a noir picture um but set in the in the south where it's steamy and hot and everything is uh everything is dripping <laughs> uh literally and figuratively um it uh, it stars william hurt as uh, a man who doesn't seem to be awake <laughs> um he's he's walking through his life and he has no idea what's going on around him and uh, Kathleen Turner, mm. who is the femme fatale and not what she seems, and even more of not what she seems later on when we find out what's going on. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ted Danson plays uh, the, uh, 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 the Bill Hurt's friend, yeah. and uh, he's, uh, he's kind of a jerk, and uh, uh, things happen, and it's, uh, it's, uh, it's very fun to watch all the sort of machinations. Mickey Rourke's in it briefly too, and he's great. That's right. That's yeah. right. Um, one scene, but he's really good. Yeah, but uh, it's uh, ex- it's very well written, extremely well acted. There are uh, you know, it's uh, uh, it certainly pushes the boundaries of of what uh, a film noir film would have done in you know the forties. Certainly. Um, it's uh, it's a bit racy and it's uh, it's very exciting and it's uh, it's a steamy one. <laughs> yeah, Kathleen Turner is uh, is very alluring, indeed, luminous. luminous? <laughs> some might say. <laughs> you know, and 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 one of the things, uh, look, it's a great pick. I love, 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 love Body Heat. Um, uh, John Barry score absolutely is in. Incredible! One of my favorite John Barry scores, and I'm not necessarily a fan of John Barry scores mm. because of his he has a, a tendency to repeat a lot of things all mm. the time. Mm. But in this instance, it's perfectly appropriate. Yeah, see, I love John Barry, and I this is one of my favorites, uh, along with the Bond scores. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just I, it's it's really just a brilliant score that captures you know everything uh, about this movie the sexiness and mm-hmm. the mystique and the and the, and the mystery you know, and uh, mystery intrigue and yeah 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 and the, yeah it's just um you know again Lawrence Kasdan he just done Continental Divide and uh, right. 
uh, really interesting story. I'm, uh, I'm sure Steve can speak to this. Um, that uh, you know, when he got Alan Ladd to finance it, the only way it happened was George Lucas had agree um, uh, to uh, sign on as a producer, right. because they weren't sure that Kasdan would be able to uh, stay on budget and on schedule and deliver. And uh, basically, George Lucas did it and then took his name off it, not because he didn't like it, but it was just to godfather the movie and help Kasdan, who had helped him on Raiders of the Lost Ark and Empire Strikes Back. And it's it's another example of, you know, what a great, you know, George Lucas. uh, Kasdan's script for uh, Continental Divide helped get him the job writing on uh, Empire and Raiders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, it really shows... You know, Kazan uh, is really well directed. I mean, it's a very mm-hmm. well directed movie. Uh, it's not just brilliantly written, but uh, um, he he knew how to use the camera. Yeah. He knew how to create suspense and a sense of mood and and you know, darkly fatalistic um, uh, film and yet full color and full color. But well, it feels yeah. like it's in yeah. black and white. <laughs> exactly. what's, what's really interesting about about that specifically as a pick is is what it points out about. Um, the visual experience of a noir, right? Mm-hmm. And I guess we're talking about neo-noir now, but um, there is always a very strong sense of place. It's mm-hmm. not, to me, it's not about the lighting. It's not about whether it's color or black and white. It's, you know, it is all other things being equal, does the environment the story is taking place in, does it feel like it's a character? Right. Um, is there something about that environment that adds to the the mood? That's exactly right. So whether it's taking place, you know, in the, you know, the rain slicked streets of, you know, San Francisco, or it's like taking place, you know, in the sunlit, you know, whatever of of Los Angeles Mm -hmm. or in the bayou, Mm -hmm. right? As long as that environment feels like it somehow reflects what the hero is up against or, or what he's in the middle of. I right. think it always works. And that's what's great about Body Heat. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, I mean, it's a it's a beautiful film and not just because of Kathleen Turner. It's just, right. it's a beautiful film. And you can't watch that movie without feeling like the, like the movie world itself wants to kill us. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it's just threatening by existing. And and I, and I think in the great noirs, I think that's that's nearly always true. Like I can point to different stories and tell you, well, that's that's a noir setup. But whether the film itself feels like a, feels like a noir has a lot to do with what's um, with what's created on screen that we're that we're actually looking at in the context of the story that's being told. Right. No, I mean it's 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 so interesting, and it's another one of these films like Halloween launched like a decade of really low budget slasher movies. Mm-hmm. Body Heat launched like a decade of really bad sort of soft core <laughs> right. uh, um, uh, thrillers. You know, right. it's like you know Wild Things was the high budget version of that, right? But there were so many in, in home video these awful awful. Uh, movies which were like these sexy thrillers. And a lot of the shows like, that were on the USA stockings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, but really one of the only films that did it right was Body Heat. Because Body Heat is an incredibly sexy movie. Right. Um, and, um, you know, you know, eroticized, but in, in, in all the best ways for the right reasons. I mean, and... there's no mattress shopping in it, but no, <laughs> it's still. <laughs> <laughs> that scene where uh, Kathleen Turner and William Hurt go out and they buy a TiVo is right. astonishing. Yeah. You guys think you're so funny, but that episode <laughs> won't even have aired when this is on. <laughs> all right, so it's a call forward. <laughs> is that a call back? Um, 
Backshadowing. Don't call it a callback. Yes, they're foreshadowing. I'm telling this joke for yeah, years. no, no. Uh, that's a look. It's a great pick. It's a, it's a, a spectacular movie, and and um, uh, you know Lawrence Kasdan just uh, was lucky enough to see him speak once at the Writers Guild, and mm-hmm. I just. God, I'm, I just, I'm such a fan of his. Even though, you know, in the last decade, you know, maybe, you know, a lot of movies like Dreamcatcher haven't been hits, haven't been successful creatively or financially. It's just like, you look at his career and it's just remarkable. And, and you know, what he did with Solo is is, is really good. Um, but I'm, I'm always rooting for him. I'd love to see him do something else that really catches on in a big way. I think he's so talented, so smart. And just, and I, I love that movie. I was obsessed with that movie. Um, did, I think I saw it for the first time at home video. Didn't see it in a theater. Mm. Um, I've seen it subsequently in a theater, mm-hmm. and um, but uh, but 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 love it. And it, you know, there's so many of these movies that pay homage to. Like everybody knows. I mean, it's a big rip off of Double Indemnity, although he yeah. denies it. But um, uh, you know, so many movies that pay homage, and you know, sometimes in a comedic way, sometimes in a sort of a clunky way. This really is a mm-hmm. traditional classic noir in the neo noir era. Right. And, and and it's another thing I love about it. So um, anyway, so Ashley, Wednesday. So Wednesday, man, look, this is a very hard category for me because there are so many films in this category, almost all of which I love because this is one of my favorite genres. I, I think Steve could probably attest to that as <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, I, well, that would be, be telling you what the hell we've been doing. But let's just say that, that uh, noir is a very ambitious uh, it's a very ambitious genre to uh, to get involved in, but I love it because there is something about following a character who feels like he or she could be you and me, and they're in a in a world where nothing makes sense, nothing can be trusted, everyone is basically against you except for the people who um, are really on your side, but they're not the ones that you trust. I mean, it's just I love all of that. I love that as a as a consumer of it, and I love that as a as a writer. I love being in those worlds. Um, there there's just there's something about it because I also think that in spite of some of the the nihilism that suffuses a lot of this that they're actually they're very moral stories mm-hmm. they're really about something and they're about you know you have a code and you break it right or you don't have one and you find it um, and when they really really sing everything is about you know that code and the and the consequences of it um, so I love this genre I mean again and it, it, it can be funny. Mm-hmm. They can be scary. They can have a lot of action or no action at all. So, so again, tough for me to decide. And I'm going to save all the ones I'm not going to talk about for Friday um, rather than tell you what I'm not picking. But um, I'm going to tell you what I am going to pick. The uh, Okay. So sometimes we go to the theater and we find a movie. We sit down, we watch it. We have no idea what we're getting ourselves into. We walk out, we're like, oh my God, that movie just rocked my world. And my pick for Wednesday is a movie that did that to me. And I'm talking about Nick Reffin's Drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, Drive blew me away. You know, I went to that movie expecting, it wasn't that I was expecting not much. It was that I had no expect, expectation whatsoever. Um, in fact, I, I had, you know, these strange kind of ambivalent feelings going into that film, uh, you know, because I had, you know, uh, there's a lot of reasons for it. Um, I had had a, had a meeting with Nick Reffin at one point that was just, it was bananas. It was cool, but it was, it was bananas. And I thought, you know, he's, he's, uh, he comes off as a sort of very, you know, 
pretentious and European. And I remember going into that movie thinking, what could this guy possibly have to say, you know, in this space, in this genre, with this story? And oh my God, I'm a believer. Uh, Ryan Gosling, also, that was another thing. I had no appreciation for the Gosling. Ryan Gosling in this movie is just a revelation. He is absolutely fantastic as the driver. He is a man of few words. In fact, um, there's a great story about the making of this movie that the original script had way more dialogue in it. Uh, And when they got to the stage, they just started tearing dialogue out right and left until it basically became pure cinema, um, except for a lot of supporting characters like, you know, Bryan Cranston or the great... Albert Brooks. Albert Brooks. Um, but essentially, it's just, it is about a guy um, who is, he's a stunt man, he's a stunt driver, he's one of the greatest drivers in the world. He is also like the wheel man, uh, you know, for these incredibly dangerous, high risk jobs. It, the movie opens with an incredible car chase uh, through downtown Los Angeles, and you really get a sense of what this guy can do. People talk about the great heist scenes, like mm-hmm. Rafifi and stuff, which are. I think that the beginning of Drive like belongs with the classic that where he you know he ends up parking the car at the Staples Center. Yep, it's just uh, uh, one of the great for opening 10, 15 minutes of movies. Like you know when people say, oh you know two thousands, there haven't been many great movies. You know Drive is like one of those movies. Oh, the suspense and the the timing and everything in that opening sequence is terrific. One hundred percent. And the and the way that Refn like the movie is very violent, and but the way that Refn shoots. The violence it never feels exploitative it feels like he's telling us something about the character there's just this amazing moment when um when gosling is in the he's in the uh, the elevator with you know with these thugs and sh- and you just know like he's with like the girl of his dreams you know that he really can't quite have and um you know he uh she gets out of the elevator and he just sort of turns and he kicks the crap out of these guys like, and it's just this incredibly just violent moment and when he's done it's just you know it, it's it would be arty and pretentious and silly in almost anybody else's hands, but um, the way Refn shoots him, it's like it's from the back. It's like after the fight is over, and he's wearing this jacket that has a scorpion on the back, yeah. and the way that the scorpion waves, like as he shoots it, as the door opens, as the girl sees what he's done, it's just, it's so so great. The music is great. Music is great. Unbelievable. And there are the best behind the scenes stories like that are just, I I think if they're not, they are slowly becoming legendary. And if you haven't heard them, they're amazing. Like the casting of Albert Brooks. Have you guys heard this story? No. Okay. So evidently that casting session was a disaster. So the story goes that uh, Albert Brooks goes in to meet with Refn and meet with the executives. And he kind of gives this, this performance very much like what we saw, which is very understated Albert Brooks. And Refn in the, in the audition kept pushing him to make it bigger and bigger and bigger, you know, and just like, he just wanted it bigger. He wanted his villain to be bigger. And Brooks was just like, oh, okay. And on the way out the door, when they go to shake hands, say thank you and all this, the story goes that Albert Brooks, okay, First of all, you have to understand, Nick Refn is a billion feet tall, okay? And so is Albert Brooks. On the way out the door, Brooks grabs Refn by the shirt, grabs him, and just hauls him in. And he looks at him and he goes, you don't have to shout to be a good villain. Then he lets him go and he walks out. He gets a call from his agent five minutes later, right? We all know the story. 
and the uh, the agent goes, I know what you did in there. They loved you. But Brooks was thinking, oh, my God, I'm, I'm never going to get this gig. <laughs> uh, there's also a great story about him trying to convince Ryan Gosling to be in the movie. And he met him at the Chateau Marmont where he was getting drunker and drunker and drunker. And then they're driving around. And, uh, you know, they, they put in some some music that was very much like what ended up in the movie. And Gosling was driving Ruffin home right, because, because he, he doesn't drive. Yeah, 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 exactly. And like Ruffin was just sort of like there and he was sad because Gosling was going to do his movie. And he's hanging out the window and, and they're listening to the music. He goes, this is my movie. And Gosling was like, oh, my God, I get it now. Let's mm-hmm, let's mm-hmm. do this. Um, but it's it's so great. I, I could love you. Know, I could just watch this movie over and over. Cool. Look, I love Drive. I I think it's great. Um, I remember I, same kind of thing. I hadn't seen anything of reference at the at that point. Thankfully, I hadn't seen Only God Forgives, which I actually like. But right. you know, and 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 just was like, wow, what, what, this is amazing. And uh, um, but I'm a little disappointed. I mean, I got to tell you, it's like we, we did Horror Week, we had Vampire Week, mm-hmm. you know, and then we did Monster Mash, and we did Psycho Killer, and we you know we broke it up, and and that was probably smart because it's like. We're no, we're doing noir week, and all I hear are these neo noirs, <laughs> and it's like the the noir was built on the backs of some of the greatest noirs of all time, and I'm like I feel we knew that you would be there. Yeah, well, I mean to, I gotta to go there now. I mean it's like I can't do Blue Velvet, you know I can't do Last Seduction, I can't do any of these neo noirs because because you guys you know are, are you you're... stop whining. <laughs> I, I don't get it. I don't get it. It's like we got uh, two okay. more days to program. We're not doing neo noir week. We're doing noir week. Well, anyway. well, now we're doing Neo Noir Week. I mean, Mulholland Drive. It's like, come on, well, enough Just change those. the title now. It's Neo Noir. No, yeah. I'm not changing the title. <laughs> we're gonna I, I, look. I'm sorry. This is easy. This is easy. This, Chinatown. I mean, no, that's Neo Noir too. I'm not doing Chinatown. Plus, <laughs> Steve doesn't like it. So, uh, look, it's 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 obviously um, unless we have we done. Why don't this you before? pick one of your black and white movies? Yeah, damn right I will. <laughs> <laughs> Which is Noir. Um, uh, did we do Double Indemnity before? Uh, I don't believe so. I feel like we might have. I will check. I'm not even going to give you 20 so. titles. We, we I'm going to give you one. We did Sunset Boulevard. Oh, yeah. Well, okay. I knew that. That's why I wasn't going to say Sunset. Right. But that was in films about filmmaking week. Right. And unlike Darren, I'm not picking anything from season one. <laughs> I'm not. You know, I'm not going to do it. Yeah, I mean, apparently you know. neither did I. <laughs> yeah, he's a Superman. <laughs> yeah, but that was special. Okay, was that, was special. that was special. Okay. But yeah, I, so... I don't. I don't want to do season one, so I'm going to go with Double Indemnity. Although we already did Double Indemnity with Body Heat, but uh, well, <laughs> it's the noir so so nice. We but did it twice. Double Indemnity, you know, has that incredible Billy Wilder slash well, a little bit of Raymond Chandler. He mm-hmm. technically is credited and worked on a little bit, but um, dialogue. But it is the prototypical film noir. Absolutely. Barbara Stanwyck Ugh. is the uh, you know ultimate femme fatale. Fred McMurray, who, if you know him from My Three Sons, <laughs> is nothing like he was in My Three Sons. Um, it is, you know, twisty and turny and, um, uh, you know, basically Fred McMurray is an insurance uh, salesman who gets uh, roped into, uh, he's very weak. He's, he's kind of <laughs> like uh, um, on Succession, uh, uh, Jeremy Strong's character. You know, he kind of gets roped into the web of lies and deceit by uh, Barbara Stanwyck. Um, and one of the great, great name, it, Walter Neff. Walter Neff, right. yes. And of course, um, uh, uh, um, 
you know, uh, one of the great introductions of all time where uh, Barbara Stanwyck is on the top of this um, set of stairs and she comes down in a towel where she's been presumably nude sunbathing outside in the back and uh, comes down and, and there's this flirty banter between the two of them. And, uh, you know, he's basically hitting on her the second he meets well, her. Oh, are you going to give me a ticket? You, gonna... <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, why, why don't you give that to my husband? Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, Eddie G. Robinson is his boss who, uh, you know, kind of is platonically in love with Walter Neff, you know, just, mm -hmm. uh, you know, he's been his mentor and has, you know, really, you know, just thinks the world of him. So, you know, he's ultimately going to be in for a rude awakening when he finds out that Walter Neff has conspired to, to kill their customer, not only to kill him, but in an act of double indemnity to double the, uh, the, the insurance payout on his death. Um, and it is uh, just incendiary. And uh, Billy Wilder, um, you know, again, one of the great writer-directors ever. Um, beautifully directed, incredibly well-written. Um, and it is just uh, dark and twisted. And, uh, you know, you can see sort of, um, you know, amongst all these, like, nice homes and everything, you know, and... The, the darkness, the the flip side of uh, you know American life. Uh, it, it, I wouldn't even say post-war because it's actually was made during the war. I mean, you there's a scene in a grocery store, very famous. Mm, right. uh, people who haven't seen the movie may know it from Steve Martin's Dead Man Don't Wear Plaid, uh, where he um, you know meets up with uh, Barbara Stanwyck in uh, in, in, in the grocery one of my store. Friday picks. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, we haven't even done any noir yet. So um, it, it's uh, it, it's just it's such a great movie. It's such a great movie. Again, I, I say this a lot. It's one of my favorite movies of all time, but it is one of my favorite movies <laughs> of all time. A lot of them. I, I and it's just a, a masterclass in dialogue, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's brilliant. It's one of my favorites as well. It's it's. How fast was I going, officer? <laughs> There's a speed limit in this town, and um, suppose you pull me over. Suppose I write you a ticket. Suppose I tear it up. <laughs> So great, and the great location photography. I mean, they filmed it in you know, Las Feliz, and you know, the I went house. to the house. Did yeah, you, you I haven't been to the house. I, I, I don't know why. I, I used to live near the house, and I never went to oh, it. Oh yeah, I went to the house. I had to go to the house. It's still there. It looks exactly. It, the it same. looks exactly the same on the outside. Yeah, yeah. and um, it's not quite the Brady House, but it was. It was pretty cool. <laughs> it was pretty cool. So, um, but you know, I just love. I love the love love this movie. And you know there are a couple of noirs that you just really you know are the template for what you think of as noir. Double Indemnity is one of them. Um, Sunset Boulevard. Uh, yeah, I mean there, there's some movies the that got. Sleep. I mean there are other movies I could have gone with for Thursday. <sighs> Laura. Well, I love Laura, and I almost went with that for Romance Week. Mm -hmm. um, you know Otto Preminger. A guy falls, a police officer falls in love with a portrait of a dead woman who turns out not to be dead. But uh, with uh, Gene, uh, Gene, <laughs> Gene Tierney is so great in that. You know, also Leave Her to Heaven, another Gene Tierney movie oh. that she's amazing and one of the great noirs. Um, but my, yeah, my pick for Thursday is Double Indemnity. Um, but boy, Friday is going to be. It's a bloodbath. It's going to be a bloodbath. It's going to be a, gonna be a bloodbath. So it's going to be a bloodbath, and we're going to have to lie and cheat and steal <laughs> in order to try and manipulate this, the 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 correct uh, the correct pick for Friday. Um, 
I mean, look, I, if you I, want to start with some of the classics, you know, the the true uh, golden era noirs, mm-hmm. you know, I would like to Laura. I sure haven't heard enough sleep. about them on mm-hmm. this show. Yeah, the Big Sleep. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, Big Sleep. The Big Gilda. Sleep. The Big Sleep is, is is also one of my favorite movies, mostly because of the dialogue, and I'm a huge Humphrey Bogart fan. But I almost feel it belongs in Detective Week, or if we ever mm-hmm. do Bogart Week, mm-hmm. um, it's a noir, but it, it it's not. In my sense, a classic mm-hmm. noir. It, 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 it's um, like I could see it very comfortably sliding into some other weeks, which is probably why I didn't uh, pick Big Sleep because Big Sleep to me is almost, uh, you know, I, I love almost as much as Double Indemnity. It's well, like noir is one of those genres that lends itself to hybridization. You know, mm-hmm. there've been a lot of like you know sci-fi noir or western noir or detective. Yeah, I thought he was gonna pick Blade Runner. Yeah, I, you know what. <laughs> well, we've, we've already uh, we already selected Blade Runner for post. I know, but not everybody's abiding yeah. by those rules. Um, I think any of the James Wong Howe, uh, 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 you know, um, movies. I mean, you know, the, look, the big combo is not like the greatest movie in the world, but the cinematography like elevates it. You know, that's the, the classic noir shot of them in the the terminal after mm-hmm. the heist with the mm-hmm. smoke wafting in, and uh, I, I just I, I love. You know, I love the the look of that. I mean, there are all those Anthony Mann movies like T Man, and um, that also where it's like the cinematography alone, you know, puts it on the list. Um, well, there's one that I was always fond of called Force of Evil. Oh, Force of Abraham Polanski yeah. uh, film. It's really terrific script. Well, of course, there's also Touch of Evil. Touch mm-hmm. of Evil. Touch yes. of Evil, which was the traditional end of the noir yeah. era. You know, Orson yeah. Welles and uh, and the uh, Third Man. The Third yeah, Man, of course. Of course. Zither me this Batman. Or <laughs> <laughs> Stanley Kubrick made a really nice snore. Oh, yeah. The killing. The, the killing was yeah, great. A, a heist at a at a racetrack, a, race a horse race. With an ending worthy of Rod Serling. It's That's terrific. Correct. I love I love the killing. I love the killing too, but I also love the killers ah, based on right. the Ernest Hemingway um story. But of course only really the first ten minutes are has this great Nicholas Rozier score. Um Burt Lancaster again, it's told in flashback. Um and it's a really, really good movie. It was remade um, years later, written by Gene Kuhn, of all people, wow. with Lee Marvin and uh, Ronald Reagan. And uh, it's not nearly as good as the original, but it's an interesting curiosity. Yeah. And Criterion put out a double disc, so it has both versions of The Killers. Really highly recommended because the original uh, Killers is just a fantastic film noir, and then the remake, it's, it's Gene Kuhn and Lee Marvin and Ronald Reagan. What's not to like? Other than Ronald Reagan. Um, well, there's another one that's kind of a curiosity that um, I think you and I saw together at the Cinematheque called The Reckless Moment. Oh, yeah, yeah. That James was, Mason. yeah, that, that sounds I, about right. That, <laughs> that I always really uh, appreciated because it was filmed in part on location on Balboa Island oh, in Newport yes. Beach. And my cousins have had a house on that island for years so we used to go down there all the time and and then seeing this film which i think was 1946 1947 and seeing how different it looked you know in the 40s when it hadn't been developed within an inch of its life now like every square inch of that island is covered with these these huge houses now but then it was you know a lot of trees and Mm. and, it was very rustic i'm I'm going to dive into a pool and make make a little distinction here because as much as I love the Maltese Falcon, mm. I think that that is again Detective Week mm-hmm. more than it is noir. It's a hard-boiled detective. But movie. there's another detective movie that I do feel is noir, 
much much a better candidate, which is Kiss Me Deadly, mm-hmm. which is Ralph Meeker as yeah. uh, Mike Hammer. Mm-hmm. It's filmed in the old Bunker Hill, which okay. is you know almost completely gone now yeah. from downtown LA. It's a bunch of office buildings, but at the time it was the backdrop. It was the seediest part of the city. It was a backdrop of full of warehouses and tenements and you know transient hotels. Uh, and Kiss Me Deadly was sort of at the end of that era. Uh, when it was filmed and you know angel's flight is in there yeah. and to me it's the consummate kind of la noir and uh you know ralph ralph meeker is uh you know mike hammer he has a um, uh and 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 it has a very famous ending which you know obviously influenced and 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 the great what's it that they're hunting for is the MacGuffin, which influenced quentin tarantino a lot it was mm-hmm. he basically apes that in um pulp fiction but uh, kiss me deadly is is, is it's a great great noir well and speaking of angel's flight there's and one called angel's flight yes. mm-hmm. that's a noir that was filmed uh, filmed on the, the angel's flight funicular well and you also you you know robert ryan in the asphalt jungle which is uh, one mm-hmm. of my favorite noirs um you know great cast sam joffe's in it um it's a great another great caper you know we talked about drive having this great heist and rafifi having this great heist the asphalt jungle has an amazing heist in it as well and you know robert ryan is is um really fantastic uh wait is robert ryan yeah asphalt jungle is robert ryan sterling hayden is um uh in uh Killer He's in, in the in killing. The killing. Right. So yeah, it's Robert. Yeah, asphalt jungle. Is asphalt jungle. Sterling Hayden or Robert Ryan? It's Robert Ryan. Uh-oh. It was at this point know. that Mark lost all his memory. I, 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 <laughs> I look. I love the freaking asphalt jungle. Yeah. No, it's it, yeah. It's freaking Ryan. asphalt jungle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, nature did. But then, you know, we, we, we talked about, you know, you talked about Touch of Evil, but then there's also Lady from Shanghai. Absolutely. Which, um, that's one of the great tragedies. You know, you talk yes. about Magnuson, Amber, Amberson's getting, you yeah. know, destroyed by the studio. I mean, Lady from Shanghai had, what, 20 minutes cut out of it, yeah. 40 wow. minutes cut out of it? And it's mm-hmm. still this great movie, even with... Yeah, it's it's wacky. It's wacky, and the ending... You know, is you know basically been imitated so many times. Right. The shootout in the Hall of Mirrors, right. but that was a much longer sequence that got you know completely truncated, and uh, all the footage was lost uh, when it was you know basically studios just threw it out. You know, nothing was saved, and it's 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 really sad because that movie, you know, other than Orson Welles doing this weird Irish accent, um, yeah. it's really great, and, and and Rita Hayworth is in it, who's yeah. magnificent, and. Um, and Everett Sloan also right. is in it, and he's really great as the and, villain. Yeah, yeah, and he's evil. And he's he's evil with a capital E. And a vil. And a vil. Oh, <laughs> God, you know what else I, I would say? Um, speaking of Rita Hayworth, Gilda. Yeah. Well, yeah, uh, Steve mentioned that before. Oh, I love Gilda. Yeah. And Criterion did a great di- disc of that. I mean, that was, and, and it's, it's, I mean, Glenn Ford and her together. Yeah. Whew. What an amazing, uh, you know, I, lo- I love, love, love Gilda. But I think for Femme Fatale <laughs> Week, she might be, she, that might be my pick if we were doing Femme Fatale mm, Week. That's a good one. Um, and uh, DOA, which is DOA. A, not right. really a good movie, is it? It's, it's just a great, a great concept. Yeah. Yes. And the, the remake was good, too. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Did you like the remake? The... Yeah. Yeah. Ryan, Dennis Quaid? It was yeah. pretty good, actually. Yeah. 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 Publish or perish. <laughs> yeah. Um... Nightmare Alley. They're oh, remaking yeah. Guillermo del Toro's remaking it now. I love Nightmare Alley, and I don't really like Tyrone Power, but boy, that's a good movie. Hmm. Um, Detour. Yeah, Detour. I think you know it's like 
it's one of these poverty role movies that like were made for two cents and mm-hmm. it's sort of become like this definitive noir. I'm not a huge fan of Detour, although it does have that great scene where it's strangled with the phone cord. Mm-hmm. Um, do you like Detour? I enjoyed it, yeah. I saw it at uh, at uh, the um, Noir Festival, at the, the uh, American Cinema Tech every April right. does their Noir Festival, which is, uh, I haven't been able to make it to for the last couple of years. But. Neither right. We used to go all the time yeah. when we weren't mattress shopping. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and it was... <laughs> they showed some great, I mean, they had some deep cuts. I mean, they showed all kinds of, usually they aired on the side of the more obscure, which was cool. Um, yeah, and they showed some really, we saw some really great stuff there. Yeah. I'm trying to think, I think I saw Asphalt Jungle for the first time there. Mm-hmm. Um, in a Lonely Place with Humphrey Bogart and Gloria Graham. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Gloria Graham, what about uh, mm-hmm. Big Heat? Yeah. Which is another, which is really good. And uh, early Lee Marvin role, where he famously throws a boiling cup of coffee on Gloria Graham's face and scars her. Um, I mean, that's the thing. At the time, people can't realize, you know, now any, you can see anything on film. But noir was always pushing the envelope, right, right. both yeah. um, violence and sex and, right. um, uh, you know, the very limits of the Hays Code. And, yeah. and that was really interesting, the ways that they would do that. Um, and uh, you said, and morality, you know, just the whole mm-hmm. idea that, um, you know the ga- the way the gangster films grappled with these issues, but it felt like the cat was completely out of the bag when you start to look at these classic noir films. We didn't even mention Night of the Hunter. Oh my God! No, so well, you good. just did. But now we did. That's why I mentioned it. It's great <laughs> that's why I mentioned it. Um, or Night of the Lepus. Well, that's that's pretty scary. <laughs> it's yeah. for a whole different reason. Um, it's Night of the Week. Here on the 4.30 movie. <laughs> I'm Blue Velvet if we're going to go neo-noir. Well, there's, yeah. a, there's a number of really great neo-noirs. Blue Velvet and Mulholland Drive, yep. Yep. which yep. I, is terrific. Bound, the Wachowski yep. Bound Bound is great. Is great. Bound. Bound is really great. Yeah. Yep. Um, I mean, it, it, it's really beautifully great. They made it for about $4 million. No one went to see it. Yeah. Um, but it's, uh, it's um, Gina Gershon and Jennifer Tilly. Yeah. And, and uh, Joey Pants, really, but it, and Joey, Joey Panaliano, really good. Movie. I think people kind of rediscovered it, like after, after the, the Matrix, after the Matrix yeah. when yeah. they kind of went back and retrospectively went, "Oh yeah, okay, you can sort of see that those guys know what they're, that's so they're doing. cleverly." I mean, they were able to, to write this movie that took place in essentially one location, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or you know, and and another apartment that they could use the same set for, basically. Right. Yep. Very cleverly produced, but and so tightly written, and just but it's really a visual tour de force. Yeah, and it's funny. It's the one reason I was excited about the Matrix because I like Bound so much. Yeah, that too. I was like, oh well, maybe this movie won't suck. And then of course I saw it, and it was like amazing. Yeah, um, arguably uh, collateral. Oh yeah, collateral. Yeah, it definitely sure. qualifies as yeah. the end of war for sure. That's right. You could just say a couple of the Coen Brothers films, uh, Blood Simple and Fargo. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, no Country. Neo-Noirs. But no Country. That yeah. was in last year's Oscar. Well, and they're both versions of Postman Always Rings Twice, the original right. Lana Turner right. uh, version, and then, of course, the remake with Jessica, La- Jessica Lange and uh, Jack Nicholson and John Calicos, Baltar. <laughs> Baltar. <laughs> Um, I, I, the only reason I have to tell you, when I saw the remake of Postman Always Rings Twice, was it for Jessica Lange? No. Was it for... Uh, Jack Nicholson, no. It was because John Calicos, who'd been in Star Trek, was in it. And uh, I'm not a huge fan of The Postman Always Rings Twice, the remake. I love the original movie. You know, I don't think that the Bob Raffleson remake is that great. But John Calicos is in it. Damn right. <laughs> it was glorious. 
Oh, you mentioned <laughs> The Last Seduction yeah. earlier. Yeah, that's John a, Dahl. That's good. Uh, Strange Days. That's a science, science fiction. Wow. Yeah. wow. Ooh, interesting. Right. Written by James Cameron. Was it? Yep. Yeah. And directed yeah. by Catherine Bigelow. Catherine Bigelow. Yeah. Well, who should work more? Who's just really great? If, yeah. if we're if we're pushing like into the genre films that are really noir, I mean, uh, oh my god, Ashley, where is your brain, dude? Um, <sighs> Catherine Bigelow, vampires. Oh, yeah, near, near dark. dark, near, near dark. dark. Thank yeah, you. What really was wrong noir. with that? That's, that's, that's not noir. That's a noir. No, for sure. No, no, yeah, it's it's no. like a vampire noir. Uh, no, yeah. I don't think so. Um. What else did she do? Blue Steel. No, no, but that was- Blue uh, Steel. Yeah. Blue Steel. <laughs> Which is also a look that you can throw into the <laughs> I mean, you know, and there are a whole bunch of these these um, detective films, you know, uh, like- LA Confidential. Oh, right? my God, yeah. LA Confidential is a great example of Neo Noir, you know, uh, wonderfully done by the late Curtis Hansen. Yeah. Yep. Um, my One of my alt picks was going to be Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Oh, oh yeah. Which is just delightful. That's one of those that sort of falls into the, it's funny, yet it still like meets every definition. Um, and the dialogue just crackles. It was like, it was the thing that, you know, that brought Shane Black back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and kind of, and relaunched his, his career. I like Nice Guys Me too. Me too. I, I think, think Nice Guys, nice is, guys is good. Yeah. Um, the but Grifters. I love The yeah. Grifters. Jim Thompson. Yeah. yeah. Really good. Directed by... Um, Stephen Frears. Steve, Stephen right. Frears, yeah, and uh, so good. And John Cusack's great. Angelica Houston's amazing in it. Another and really good heist. Annette Steve. Benning's in it. Annette Benning. Right? Annette Benning. Yeah, Benning, yeah. yeah. one of her early roles. Right. Yeah, and she's really good in it. And and I mean, there's some great femme fatale action happening there. Um, see, I mean, it's just a total embarrassment, Richards. But I was. I don't just, think we're going to come to a consensus. I know. No, I think we know. can. I think we can. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, because I was going to get into whole murder, my suite, you know, when we get into uh, the Philip Marlowe, because of course, to me, the greatest Philip Marlowe, unquestionably, is Humphrey Bogart in The Big Sleep. Yeah. But there are people who would argue that, um, you know, Powell and Murder My Sweet is the greatest. Like Kay, our friend Kay, who mm-hmm. loves, uh, and I don't, I don't think holds a candle to. And then Robert Montgomery is just another Philip Marlowe who's terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, out of sight. Oh, out of sight's oh, a great, a great choice. I love Out of Sight. So good. You think it's Out of Sight? It is Out, out of, of Sight. sight. Out of Sight. Just... The, the uh, Steven Soderbergh movie with George Clooney and Jennifer Lopez. And Michael Keaton uh, reprising his role from Get Shorty. Yeah. Didn't and, um, you know, uh, Jennifer Lopez playing Karen Sisko, who right. then, of course, had her own show on, on, uh, on ABC yeah. and also reprised, but not named on Justified. Oh, yeah. Right, yeah. right. Chris I love Cross. Out of Sight. That's one of my favorite neo-noirs. I love and, Out of Sight, um, too. The chemistry between Clooney and, and Lopez is is just terrific. Well, and, and Soderbergh is so wonderfully directed. That scene where they meet in the hotel, mm-hmm. um, and it's the love scene intercut with the, the dinner, like the future mm-hmm. with the past, with the present. It's really great. And Albert Brooks yeah, in that yeah. movie as well. See, sometimes you don't have to yell to be a villain. Yeah. That's right. Sometimes. Sometimes, sometimes you do. But sometimes out of sight, yell really just, loud. it's got a great love story in it. It's got suspense, and it's funny as hell. So yeah. funny. So entertaining. Yeah. That's a movie that doesn't get enough credit because, I mean, it's really – out of sight is, is, is great. 
I kept trying to push our young writers this last year to watch it. I think oh, I mentioned yeah? the room like three times and like tweeted like it's on HBO right now. You can watch you can stream it. How did I miss those conversations? <laughs> Maybe you're out of the room. I should have okay. made out them watch it. Right? So if only I'd know. You want to continue on the show, you have to <laughs> watch, watch out of sight. sight. And you like it. It's done not some with the old, boring movie. It's 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 super it's entertaining. A young, exciting movie. <laughs> <laughs> great music. Mm-hmm. Uh, great cast. Yeah, and then there are all those great Cinemac uh, movies, you know, mm. uh, Criss Cross and... Mm-hmm. Um, Criss Cross. Um, you know, and you could argue that Hitchcock's Strangers on a Train, but we yeah. picked that last yep. uh, for Hitchcock Week. Um, what else? So many, so many. I mean, and there's so many that we're not even mentioning because there's just such an embarrassment of riches in this. What a great genre. It's yeah. like... You know, a lot of these noirs, even when they're bad, they're good. <laughs> you know, there's just, you know, um, but you, you can make them cheap. And and, and it wasn't, it, there was no barrier to entry. It's like you yeah. can't make a, a cheap superhero movie and make it well. Yeah. You know, it's like, um, because then you end up with uh, Red Brown and Captain America, right? Right. But, but, uh, but, you know, with noir, you don't need a huge budget, you know, and... Uh, Obviously, you talked about the John Dahl, The Last Seduction, or Bound. Yeah. You know, it was just so great. So um, let's let's do it this way for Friday. Let everyone say what based on what, what you think, and then we can, like, from what we've talked about, what do you think, what would you want for Friday? Oh, my God. And then we can try and horse trade. I, I'm going I'm to, I'm torn between Touch of Evil and Bound. Those are both great movies. I mean, I would argue Creek Kiss Me Deadly, but I don't think I'm going to win that one. So I'm going to go with stuff that I think are winners. So I think Touch of Evil or Bound, potentially. I, I would go with Touch of Evil. It did end the traditional noir yeah. era. So, so it should end, end the week, week would might be appropriate. Now, which version would it be? Would it be the theatrical version or about 15 years ago, yeah. um, they did the, the Wells uh, memo cut? Yeah. Mm. You know, I'm actually fine with the theatrical yeah. version. I have to agree with you. I think sometimes says the man who did the director's edition. Yeah. <laughs> Although the difference was Robert Wise was alive. Yes. And uh, Orson Welles was long dead when they did right. uh, Touch of Evil. Uh, they just reconstituted it based on his memos to the studio. Yeah. Holy crap! Anybody who's ever like tried to do a like an edit based just on somebody's goddamn notes? I oh mean, my god. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> what do you think, Ashley? Will you have a pick? You have a horse in this race. Um, I uh, I'm a little enamored. Of the of the out of sight pick, but I do love Bound, and I also love Touch of Evil, and I agree with Darren that if it's Touch of Evil, it needs to be the original theatrical cut. I'm you know I'm good. Those are all great picks. I love all those films dearly. Um, I think since maybe we gave a little bit of short shrift to classic noir, I'm inclined to go with Touch of Evil okay. to round out the week with a, a more traditional noir. I, I could totally go with Touch of Evil because you really can't beat Charlton Heston as a Mexican. <laughs> um, and uh, you know Mar- Marlene Dietrich is is great, and obviously Orson Welles. You yeah. know, you know your future is all used up. Yeah. You know, so again, super quotable. It, 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 it's even though he continued to make movies after Touch of Evil, it is really his last great masterpiece. Well, he was some kind of a man. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Ashley? Can you go with Touch of Evil? I can one hundred percent go with Touch of Evil. Okay, I think, I think we, I think have, we have a week. Very interesting, dark, twisted week. Indeed. And it's only appropriate that we had a cajole 
and and, 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 and go down alleys not taken to get to our uh, very our dark Friday, alleys. Dark, very dark alleys. Put your knives away, boys. <laughs> it would have come to that, I'm telling you. So, okay. So, uh, Monday. Monday is Carl Franklin's One False Move. Tuesday. Body Heat. Wednesday. Nicholas Winding Reffins Drive. Thursday, it's um, Double Indemnity. And Friday, it's Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid. Oh, no, wait. Uh, no? Friday, it is Touch of Evil. Show us on the doll where the evil Well, you can't is. go wrong with any of these movies. These are There's some great movies here. And for, for those of you in our audience who aren't as familiar with film noir, uh, you know, this is a great introductory 101. Uh, and actually, so is Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid. Yeah, true. It's all right. It does have a lot of clips from... Some Old classic great noir movies. movies. Yeah. It does. It does. I mean, we didn't even talk about Out of the Past. Right. I mean, oh my God. I mean, it's just like, no, we, we, we may have to revisit this uh, genre because there's just Perhaps. so much here. Um, and of course, uh, if you're enjoying listening to the audio versions of Fourth Day Movie, you can watch them now on video on Electric Now, which is available for streaming on Stir and Distro TV and soon to be available on the Electric Now app. So check us out on video. Um, and of course, you can still, if you enjoy listening to us on audio, you can continue to listen to us wherever you get your podcast. So uh, we hope you'll continue to do that. You know, maybe what you do is like you listen to us in the car, and then you watch us and take notes for the <laughs> movies you want to then watch. And you know, yes, t- watch and either listen. way, watch and the listen. cost is free. It costs you nothing. <laughs> or we're you not, could turn down the sound on the video one. We're not yeah, asking. You could and like see if you can sync it up. We're not. So like we're not asking out. for money. We're not running Kickstarter campaigns. We're not. We're just saying, come listen, come watch, come enjoy. Anyway, all are welcome. So ends the lesson. <laughs> so uh, thank you for joining us on the four thirty movie. And if you're a fan of the podcast, you may want to check out Electric Surge's other podcasts, like Inglorious Trexperts, every Saturday, the only podcast for Star Trek fans with a life. And The Rebel and the Rogue, a Star Wars podcast every Tuesday. And, of course, one of my favorite podcasts, truly, is uh, Best Movies Never Made every other Monday. And that's uh, from host Steve Scarlatta, the producer of uh, Jodorowsky's Dune and the writer of Sonic the Hedgehog and curator of Friday Night Frights, uh, Josh Miller, doing a phenomenal job uh, with that podcast. And, I, you know, I really enjoy listening to it, I must say. So uh, speaking of podcasts, if you enjoy this podcast, which I also enjoy listening to, <laughs> please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts if you enjoy listening to it. And if you don't, well, don't rate us anything. Or don't or just rate, rate us five stars. stars anyway. Five stars. Five is the magic five. number. Five. Five stars. <laughs> five stars. <laughs> and, of course, we'd be remiss if we did not thank producer and a very special sound engineer who makes us sound so good every week and is now mixing for audio and video, Bill Ritter. Bill Ritter, what, what film noir did we miss or, or would you pick for this week? How about uh, Joan Crawford, Mildred Pierce? Oh, yeah, oh, excellent, which Pierce. we did not even talk about. Yeah. Much to uh, a classic, classic noir um, that uh, influenced a lot of people. That's true. Um, you know, and of course, Joan Crawford is amazing in it, um, and uh, a notable omission by us. So thank you for <laughs> catching us on that one, for backstopping us. That was a, g- a great suggestion. Uh, also, very th- John, thank you for uh, pitching in while Natalie Miscali is out of town. Um, we appreciate you directing today's episode, and of course, uh, very special thanks, to Dean Devlin, without whom the show would not be possible. So to all of you out there in listener land, 
Listener land. Here's looking at you. Here's here's <laughs> looking. Here's looking at you. Here's what? Only because we're on video, though. I don't know. Right. I don't know. All I can say is, uh, you know, this has been a dark day for the uh, for the podcast. But we appreciate you joining us, and we will see you next week for an all new episode of the Four Thirty Movie. Until then, Eyewitness News starts now. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Omni Consumer Products, OCP. Good business is where you find it. Makers of the ED-206 Urban Pacification System. Big is back because big is better. And the 6000 SUX, an American tradition. This is a production of the Electric Surge Network.